Welcome to the new Docs in a Pod presented by WellMed. Over the next half hour, Docs in a Pod will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Tamika Perry and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. And now, here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Tamika Perry. Thank you so much for joining us on Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry. Uh, Dr. Perry is uh, a fabulous co-host we've had on now, going on uh, many, many months, and we're delighted to have her with us. She's the Associate Medical Director at WellMed, oversees several large clinics in the OptumCare in North Texas region. An Associate Medical Director and Dr. Perry's goal is to support providers at these clinics. She earned her undergraduate degree from Prairie View A&M University, then went on to graduate from Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine. She was a National Health Service Corps Scholar there, completed her family medicine residency at Methodist Charlton Medical Center, where she served as chief resident. She's board certified by the American Osteopathic Board of Family Physicians and also earned a master's in public health with an emphasis in health management. And Dr. Perry, as always, great to have you with us. Thank you. I'm excited about today's topic. Do you see stroke in some of your patients? I do. Stroke is, is a sequelae of the chronic diseases that we see every day in uh, primary care. And I'm sure Dr. Jackson, our, our wonderful guest today, will agree. Now, yeah. sequelae is a great scrabble word for those who don't know what it means. <laughs> it's the sequence, the result of. <laughs> Perfect. We'll have to write that one down for Scrabble, though. That's a great, if you can get a Q and a U in there, you're doing well. So let's take a moment and introduce our special guest today, Dr. John R. Jackson. He's at WellMed at San Marcos. He's a provider there located in San Marcos, Texas, not far, four hours from San Angelo, where he grew up. Earned his medical degree from the McGovern Medical School at the University of Texas Health in Houston. Completed his residency at the Waco Family Medicine Program in Waco. Dr. Jackson is board certified in family medicine. And the topic that we wanted to talk about is, uh, Dr. Perry indicated, is stroke, understanding it, diagnosing it, early signs, treating it. And Dr. Jackson, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Glad to be here. You know, as I mentioned, uh, the situation in Pennsylvania, uh, Fetterman, the lieutenant governor of the state running for Senate, has a stroke, goes into the hospital comes out, he's back on the campaign trail, uh, and it's put a lot of attention on both diagnosing stroke, aftercare, and some of the lingering challenges that people can have. And and from your standpoint, Dr. Jackson, I I, I suspect it's a good thing to get people thinking about stroke. Right, because uh, the earlier uh, they can get intervention, the the less likely they'll have disability or permanent uh, disability from the stroke. Give a stroke 411. What is it? Yeah, a stroke is, uh, it, there's two types. Uh, one, the most common type is a clot. Uh, some sort of a clot uh, forms in the body and travels to the brain and cuts off the oxygen supply to the nerves and you can't speak or you can't move your arm or leg or you have numbness. So uh, it's it's basically a clot. Uh, some of the, uh, the strokes uh, uh, can be... Uh, Uh, hemorrhage, where actually a blood vessel ruptures, breaks in the head, and uh, you bleed into either the the, uh, spinal fluid space or you bleed into the brain there, what they call a hemorrhagic stroke. So either one of those can produce the same symptoms. 
Is one worse than the other? Um, I mean, they, it just depends upon which area of the brain is involved as to how severe it is. Uh, so, and how would you know uh, that you're having a stroke or somebody around you, a significant other, uh, a, a coworker? How would they know? Yeah. Well, they would, uh, as an individual, if you had experiencing sudden numbness of an arm or face or uh, weakness in those areas, or your speech was slurred or uh, mumbling, then that could certainly indicate uh, stroke, especially if it's involved on just one side of the body, such as weakness or numbness. You know, my patients like to tell me, you know, I know my body and you do. The patients do know their body better, far better than I would ever know their body. Be but we know science. And so we try to apply that. So since you do know your body, alert someone. If you are weak, if you're um, on one side, if your thought process isn't the same, if you're not walking the same, definitely seek immediate medical care because it could be a stroke. I agree. And I know that... Uh and there's been a lot of attention to this, that there are clot-busting drugs that can be given a uh, time of the essence if you get to the emergency room. Uh, are, are those drugs effective? In my experience, they've been very effective. Uh, of course, timing is, uh, is the big thing that you have to be there within a few hours for to, they do have to do some diagnostic tests before they can inject the medicine. But once they've determined that uh, you're a candidate, and if that's your problem, then they give the medicine and it can be reversed usually uh, fairly quickly. And we don't advocate going to the ER just for anything, if you have a cold or anything. However, once again, if you even have a thought process of, am I having a stroke? Go, 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 go. Because like Dr. Jackson says, you have a small window to get that, that clot busting medicine inside of you to break up that clot to prevent any permanent deficits or to minimize the damage that's already happened. After that, you're outside of that, win that treatment window. And some of the things that uh, we've learned from uh, some of the news coverage of uh, Fetterman in, in Pennsylvania uh, is that uh, some of the lingering effects of stroke uh, as you recover, apparently he is having difficulty with processing words. Uh, his speech is pretty good, uh, but whatever it is in the brain that takes a word and turns it into understanding, uh, there's, there's an issue there. Well, what are some of the reasons that might be happening, uh, Dr. Jackson? Well, the, uh, if, it, uh, if the stroke affects the speech area of the brain, uh, you, have to, you, may, you may be able to think what you want to say, but when, uh, when you try to form the words, they just, they just don't sound right or uh, you can't talk at all. And uh, hopefully over a period of, of time that, that the, uh, the brain can, can reestablish these pathways, these nerve pathways so that you can with with therapy you could recover and be able to get your speech back but uh, it depends upon how big of an area was involved of the of the stroke if it's a large area it, it may never recover but uh but with time and, it, and certainly we, we we certainly don't know for sure on, a, on an individual case but so everyone usually gets speech therapy uh following you know if they're having speech difficulties following a stroke can you rewire your brain? Uh, some some patients are able to to use other uh, parts of the uh, you know that area. Assuming it wasn't completely destroyed by the stroke, you might be able to 
to uh, with with training you can you can uh, get some of the function back now think of it almost like a short an electrical short you know you may have you have a short and a wire that goes to a light bulb the light bulb still works but it flickers it doesn't it's not quite as bright it doesn't quite work the same as it did before sometimes you can repair that wire or you may even have an alternate wire to go a different route sometimes you can't but what we do within that first year after that stroke in terms of therapy, physical therapy, speech therapy, just like Dr. Jackson alluded to, makes a big, big difference. Dr. Jackson, who's at risk? Is it age related? Uh, is it cultural? Is it genetic? Uh, who should worry more about the possibility of stroke? Well, uh, certainly if you have some uh, uh, what we call pre-morbid conditions and things, you have high blood pressure is a big risk factor. Um, smoking is a big risk factor. Uh, diabetes is a risk factor. Um, being overweight is a risk factor. Uh, so that's quite a few people uh, in my clinic that are that are at risk for stroke. People have had previous heart attacks if they've got uh, blood vessel disease either in their legs or their neck. They're uh, they're and these arteries in the neck. They're they're at risk for stroke. A big yeah. risk warning factor is if you have a mini stroke or a TIA. So that's where there's a temporary blockage or narrowing of an artery. You'll have temporary deficits, but that means that if you don't do something like lower that blood pressure, lower that cholesterol, the big one is coming. What would be a sign of a TIA, a mini stroke? They're very, oh, go ahead, Dr. Jackson. Yeah, they're very similar. This, you have numbness, weakness, slurred speech, but the, uh, the symptoms usually resolve within the first 24 hours after the onset. And so that's usually our definition of a transient ischemic attack. And generally we blow that off and say, well, I'm okay. Well, no, we don't recommend that. We recommend I know. That you get evaluated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, some people may decide, oh, that was just whatever, you know, bad luck or something. But uh, no, that uh, definitely needs medical attention. Please don't blow it off. Now, is there an age correlation? Because you are uh, like like many of uh, uh, those in a WellMed clinic, uh, you're seeing predominantly Medicare eligible seniors age 65 and over. Uh, and, and for those who are younger, who are listening to us today on Docs in a Pod, uh, is age a factor? Or if you're in your teens or 20s or 30s, is stroke still possible? It's still possible. Uh, every, every year that you age, your risk goes up. But uh, people with uh, sickle cell disease, uh, maybe uh, uh, children even with sickle cell disease may be at risk for stroke. Uh, some people that abuse drugs, intravenous drugs, are at risk for stroke. Uh, taking certain street drugs, cocaine, things you know can cause a sudden rise in the blood pressure, and and uh, people can can stroke from from uh, from these factors too. Now, if you've just joined us, you're listening to Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry. And with us on our Docs in a Pod hotline in San Marcos, Texas, Dr. John Jackson. He's at the WellMed Clinic there in San Marcos. And we're talking about stroke and who's at risk, diagnosis, and then cause and prevention. I want to go over the uh, things to be concerned about. You mentioned weight could be a factor. Uh, diabetes could be a factor. And you're talking about a disease that so many Texans and others across the country struggle with. What other factors again? Well, high cholesterol uh, can be a risk factor. 
Um, and uh, of course, with your uh, with high blood pressure, if you're on a high salt diet, if you're eating a lot of salt, that makes your blood pressure more difficult to control, and so that could increase your risk for for uh, stroke. Uh, if you have uh, narrowed arteries in your neck and the carotid arteries or in your legs, that's usually a sign that you've got uh, cholesterol or plaque uh, buildup problems in other parts of the area. So it's definitely the brains at risk. And uh, so that uh, increases your risk for stroke. All right. We're going to come back to you. Hold that thought. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about uh, how you would know if you have narrowed arteries or is that something that can only be discovered through some kind of medical exam. You're listening to Docs in a Pod. We're talking about stroke, who's at risk, diagnosis, treatment, and whether there are preventative steps we can take. With us on our hotline down in San Marcos or up from where I am in San Marcos, Texas, Dr. John Jackson, our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry with us as well. You're listening to Docs in a Pod. Think you don't have the time or money to schedule a mammogram? Not true. WellMed reminds you that screening early only takes a few minutes, and it could save your life. Mammograms often help doctors detect breast cancer up to three years before any physical symptoms, such as lumps, appear. Also, because a mammogram is preventive care, it may be available at no cost to you. Don't have transportation? Check your plan. You may be able to get a free ride to and from your appointment. Why wait? Call WellMed at 1-855-296-3257 to schedule your mammogram today. We're so pleased you're sticking with us on Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry. And on our Docs in a Pod hotline in San Marcos, Texas, we're talking with Dr. John Jackson. He is a provider at the WellMed Clinic there, and we're talking about stroke. And Dr. Jackson, you were mentioning that one of the concerns might be narrowed arteries and that it could be cholesterol clogging them. Uh, it's not anything we can feel, is it? It has to be uh, uncovered through tests. Uh, we usually screen people for uh, narrowed arteries in their feet. Uh, you can, you know, by examination, uh, checking for the pulses in the feet. Uh, we do have some more sensitive tests with uh, ultrasound, but uh, sometimes it, it doesn't, you know, the patients don't come to us until they're complaining with, you know, every time I walk across the room, my legs uh, cramp up and then I sit down and it rests, it goes away. And so that certainly can be a sign that they've got narrowed arteries in their lower legs. But a lot of times they are asymptomatic, and but we screen everybody, especially if they're diabetic, uh, to rule that out. And then as far as the blood vessels in the neck, uh, sometimes they can, if you have an episode, uh, you know, that it, it can affect the vision in one eye. They get a loss of vision in an eye for maybe a half a minute or a minute, then it comes back. So that, that certainly could be a, an indicator that they've got uh, narrowed arteries in the arteries in the neck, but uh, a lot of these are not symptomatic. Sometimes it can be picked up on physical examination and uh, with the arteries in the neck where uh, they have an extra sound there, what we call a brewy or just a whistling sound. But uh, usually we use ultrasound uh, to detect and it also gives us an idea of how narrow the arteries are as to what our recommendations are going to be. Dr. Perry, I want to come back to something yeah. that... Uh, Dr. Jackson just mentioned uh, mm -hmm. losing vision 
in an eye or both eyes temporarily. That's not normal. At all. It is not normal at all. That means that there's a little clot in that artery that services that eye that allows you to see. So that is absolutely not normal. Even if it comes back, it's what we call transient. So it comes and goes. It is not normal. There is, you know, if you think of a heart attack or a stroke as a cake, there's ingredients to go in that cake. Those ingredients are uncontrolled blood sugar, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, smoking, obesity. And you don't need all the ingredients to make the cake. You just need one or two good ones. And the more ingredients, the more robust that cake is. So what we want to do, we don't ever want to make this type of cake. So you want to control everything that can cause these entities. Like Dr. Jackson said, you want to keep your blood pressure right. Keep your blood sugar as low as possible. Exercise, lose weight, because you may not feel any of this until it's too late. Now, we mentioned diabetes is a a potential uh, cause for stroke. What are some of the other diseases that Uh, you need to worry about. I I would think heart conditions. Definitely. uh, Yes. Definitely. uh, People have been diagnosed with previous heart attacks or they have chest pains related to lack of blood flow to their heart uh, are certainly at increased risk of of stroke. And people with AFib? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. When the heart, go ahead, Dr. Jackson. This is a rhythm disturbance. It's an irregular rhythm and and it, the upper chambers of the heart don't uh, beat properly. And so they tend to, blood tends to pool in those areas and clots can form. And then if they get loose in the circulation and go to the brain, we call that a stroke. And is that something, Dr. Perry, you pick up on a general exam? You can. So you can, when you auscultate or listen to the heart, you can hear that irregular, irregularly that rhythm that isn't right. And at that point, your family physician or your internist should say, hey, we need to get you to a cardiologist. We need to start you on blood thinners because you're at risk of a stroke. And what do blood thinners do? Obviously, they thin blood. But why is that important? It's important not only to help control the clot that potentially may be there, but it keeps the blood thin enough. If you do have a blockage, your blood still can go through that blockage. So it slips by the blockage. In essence, yes. And as you take a look, we were talking about the numbers of people who are at risk of stroke. As our society ages, does that mean, Dr. Jackson, more and more people risk stroke as larger numbers age into their 80s and 90s and what have you? Yes, that's true that that uh, over time, uh, even if you're uh, a lot of this may be genetically determined as to how how your blood vessels age. And so you can get, you know, uh, narrowing as you get older. So as you do get older, your risk of heart attack or stroke does increase. What's the warranty on our heart? You know, you buy a car, you figure it's going to go <laughs> 5, 10, 15, 20 years. How long is that heart warranty? Uh, I don't know. You have to ask the man upstairs there. You know? Yes. And listen, he kind of tells us, he, this is what the man upstairs taught us in school, that, you know, your, your warranty is better if you eat right, exercise, and visit your doctor on a regular basis, take the medicines that were prescribed to you, that warranty gets even better. And you mentioned exercise. What is it that you would recommend to your patients, Dr. Uh-huh. Jackson? I usually recommend a minimum of, of uh, three days a week. Uh, now, if they're just going to be doing walking there, it's probably going to be more like five days a week. And this is in addition to your just your regular activities and things. So this would be a you'd cut out 45 minutes of your day just to just to walk. Dr. Jackson, don't you get a lot of your patients who say, well, I do, I walk a lot at my job and I tell them this is beyond what you do at your job. So this is like, like Dr. Jackson just said, this is extra time you set out for exercise to do specifically. 
Right. I agree with that. But what you do on the job exercise wise counts, doesn't it? It does. But that's part of what's called your total daily energy expenditure. That's what your body's already used to. So you have to do something a little beyond that. I ran into somebody the other day who's an x-ray technician who walks about 20 miles a day, but no further than five feet in distance to accomplish all of that. Walks to the x-ray table, walks to the controls, back and forth, back and forth. It's a heck of a lot of walking. But it works. It works. As you think about uh, the numbers of people who are at risk for stroke, Dr. Jackson, uh, you're screening all of your patients. Uh, are, are they surprised when you may say to them, gee, I have to tell you, you're at risk for a stroke? Yes, I think they are because they, they don't feel bad. There's nothing that goes off if you've got a high blood pressure. It's the old silent killer we were taught as kids. That's right. That blood pressure is not something you necessarily feel. That's, That's right. For, for most people, it is. Occasionally, we'll have somebody that, you know, their pressure goes up, they get a headache, and they know it, but but that's that's kind of in they're in the minority. Yes. And Would it, you it recommend all, that people check their blood pressure periodically at home? Definitely, especially if they've had previous events, they've had strokes or heart attacks at home. I mean, uh, you know, they they've had those in their history there because they're they're even more at higher risk than the people that have never had a stroke or never had a heart attack. And definitely look at your family history too. You know, it's cardiovascular disease, it's cerebral vascular disease running your family. In the next few minutes we have left, uh, Dr. Perry, Dr. Jackson, uh, talk a bit about uh, recovery from stroke, treatment, and how effective that is. Is it better today than it was 20, 30 years ago? Well, definitely the, the treatment is improved, especially with the clot busters. Uh, again, the, 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 uh, you have to get there within a certain time frame for that to be a valid uh, uh, use. If it's been too long, then the, the risks are too high and they won't, they won't uh, inject that. But, uh, but we do have the uh, you know, capability of, uh, as far as uh, uh, paralysis, as far as you know, trying with physical therapy, uh, continue with that speech therapy and occupational therapy to to regain uh, as much function as possible uh, in, in stroke recovery. Absolutely. Are all hospitals equipped with that clot busting drug? I know a few years ago that wasn't the case. I I think they're pretty pretty much uh, every emergency room uh, stocks that, and they have a protocol that now they. The, the has to be where they have a CAT scanner because they have to do a CT scan to make sure that it's not a um, bleed. If, it's, if a stroke is because you bled in your head or that, then you're not, you're not, they're not going to give you the clot buster. So, uh, so that would be the limiting factor was they did have to have a, a CT scanner. So I would think most um, hospital emergency rooms or all hospital emergency rooms would have access to a CT scan immediately. Might not be true of some of the freestanding doc in the boxes. That's true. So, Dr. Perry, if you have a patient having a stroke, they call you uh, because patients are advised, call the doctor before you go to the ER. What do you tell them? 
go to the ER. So if, if I, <laughs> if I highly suspect that you're having a stroke uh, and I've had patients actually present to the office because, you know, they're in the culture of coming to the office, which is appropriate when something goes wrong. And so immediately within evaluating them, any clinician is going to be able to tell that this patient's mental status is different. Their neurological exam is not proper. And they are advised immediately to go for the reasons that Dr. Jackson has been emphasizing, because if it is a, a ischemic stroke with a clot, we want to absolutely get that black clot busting medicine to them appropriately. And if it's a hemorrhagic stroke, usually there's a history there, like there was some type of trauma, like they may have fallen down and bumped their head, or they were on a blood thinner for a previous reason and had even a minor fall that can cause a hemorrhagic stroke. And I know if you walk into an ER and you say, I think I'm having a stroke, they take you in right away. Yes. Yes. I just have one other comment about the, that you're not supposed to drive yourself to the ER if you, uh, if you think you're having a stroke, you need to either have someone else drive you or call the ambulance. Absolutely. That, that's Absolutely. really important. You, you hear so many occasions where somebody driving themselves uh, passes out and uh, has a catastrophic accident. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now we got about 20 seconds left. Not much time to say anything other than Dr. Jackson, we appreciate your time. Talk to your PCP, your primary care provider about stroke. Absolutely. What do you think? No, yeah. absolutely. And most importantly, talk to them about what causes the stroke and what you can do to prevent it. Right. Well, thank you both. I really appreciate it. Dr. John Jackson, Wilmot at San Marcos. Appreciate you coming on with us. And our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry, as always, we got another one locked up and done. Thank you, Dr. Perry. For thank both you. of them, I'm Ron Aaron. Talk with you soon right here on Docs in a Pod. Executive producers for Docs in a Pod are Dan Calderon and Leah Madrano. Our producer is Isaac Wilker, and associate producers are Natalie Ibarra and Maurice Hudson. Thank you for listening to Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And be sure and tune in next week for another edition of Docs in a Pod with Dr. Tamika Perry and Ron Aaron.